Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning and a good Thursday morning to you and yours. Welcome to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman alongside the Ham and Eggers. I was thinking this morning that Casey McAllister, Paul Fritzner, good morning. Good morning. To a slightly lesser extent was with us regularly and now sits in the corner with the dunce camp on. That would be Brandon Seho. And, uh, you know, I was getting to thinking that, that, that you guys are so much of this show and have so many opinions and thoughts and insight. A little debatable there, but <laughs> nonetheless, that, you know, you guys needed a nickname. And it seems to me the man who joins us later today, that being, of course, Tracy Jones, uh, has nicknamed you guys the Ham and Eggers. I think that should stick. But before that happens, I'd like to hear your opinion on it. I, I love it. I don't know about. I think Paul we're too here, far. But... I think the train is way too far down the tracks to backtrack now. Well, I know, but we can come up with something different. I mean, it doesn't have to be the Ham and Eggers. Just because Tracy Jones said it doesn't mean that's something we ought to do. Even though he's on every Tuesday and Thursday at eleven thirty, he'll be with us today. Obviously, Thursday at eleven thirty. But I just want to make sure you guys are comfortable with it because I think it's something that, you know, maybe with UDF we could get, you know, like some of their cured ham up here in front of you guys over there. Ham and egg yeah. sandwiches. And, you know, like a, a carton of eggs. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm in, Tom. Well, who's the ham and who's the egg? Well, that's a good question. That was my next question. Ooh. I mean, because if Brandon's part of this whole thing, Eggers is plural, right? Ham and Eggers, so somebody could be the ham, and then the other two, the eggs. Hmm. I Casey, you're the ham man. You're the protein I'm, of this show. I'm the pro. Well, egg is protein too. Ah, uh, yeah, but. <laughs> By the way, um, Casey, you shaved the beard. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, but you also walked into. A upper echelon salon, uh, apparently, and I mean, you, you told them to look up, you know, what 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 kind of haircut you had had in the past. They they save all that stuff now on computers, so when you walk in the door, they know what you like, they know what you want, and you went with the. It looks like a number three. I've had one of those. Yeah, um, I went to the illustrious six star hair place called sports <laughs> yeah. clips down here and uh in uh I don't know. right right down the road here hamilton, hamilton. um <laughs> so, so is that what you're looking for here hamilton no where we always get food at oh we always talk about okay yeah yeah get, you, what, what? bridgewater bridgewater yeah that okay. the bridgewater sports clips okay and i tell you they always do a great job they're not a sponsor but i i've gone in there many times myself yeah. And they do a great job. So we're yeah. not sitting here beating anybody no, up because I no. think your hair looks really good. Well, I uh, originally I thought that they had saved my um, haircut many times because I just naturally always get the same one. And I yep. just always say I would like the same thing. But I guess she just read it wrong and she cut the top what was oh, no. supposed to be the sides. Oh, no. So... I don't know. So here's the thing, Casey. You always have to go 
gradually down as you want to go shorter and shorter because why well it's, why, why go yeah, gradually yeah. down i mean well, if you I'm walk s- in the door and you want to go high and tight and you go high and tight well but it seems like he didn't want to i didn't want to go yeah high see and I, tight. there's some reservation here and tom it's, yeah. well that's on you casey that's not on somebody who cut no it. i'm not blaming i'm not blaming her at all but <laughs> of course you would brandon um <laughs> I just was in shock because I have to take off my glasses. Yes, I, I, I do the same. Yep. Yep. Anything without it. And yep. so when I put it back on to check it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't realize it was back. that short. And oh, what the heck just happened here? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, but I never I never tell them that to their yeah, face. Yeah, you don't want to make them feel bad. I just say it's a good look. I like it. Um, our our buddy, nice. Sir Boy Wonder, wants to know if you got the MVP from Sports Clips. I, did I don't not. know what that means. Maybe so, I shouldn't have even said that. That could be yeah, some Deshaun Watson sort of thing. No. <laughs> no. No. The MVP at Sports Clips, they, they give you a head massage and they give you like a hot towel and they – massage your head they That's shampoo nice. it and very whatnot. nice it's a very good deal so My you- mom ran a sports clip on the west side branded yeah. 10 years they do a great job there uh we have lots in here today uh paul suggests that uh, or daniel suggests forgive me that paul is the ham and casey is the egg hmm Maybe we should leave it to the chat. Maybe we should leave it to the chat. Well, I think they're on their game already. Put it up I mean, to a we poll. have hundreds, if not thousands, already chiming in. Yeah, Reed, Reed, Reed Mouse suggesting Mariana Mouse. His wife is uh, she's a hairstylist at Revive right around the corner. She cut, really? my, she cut my hair, my last haircut. She's been busy. I've been trying to get in to see her again for, for like two weeks. She's been busy. That's you know, the that's a problem, my understanding is, and we're drifting off the world of sports here. Uh, But there's not a lot going on in the world of sports. But today, um, to finish that thought, that that seems to be sort of like a a common theme with hairstylists, haircutters, whatever it might be. And I think it's why a lot of us walk in from time to time to the sports clips of the world or whatever it might be, right? You know, local barbershop I go to occasionally in Milford, another one down in Marymount, because you can get in. Yeah, Because if you're going to a big-time stylist like Reed's wife, you're going to wait around. I mean, my wife says, you know, I can't get into someplace. She can't get into someplace for like three, four months at a time. Yeah. She's not going to some uber big-time joint. Yeah. And that's... She used to when I worked for Fox. It was making real money, but not so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, we come your way every day, as you know, from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern, and you can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. So we ask you to flip on the uh, subscribe uh, button there. You can jump on the notifications so when things come out, if you prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, please do. We're everywhere you can find your podcast just to log into uh, Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. Now, today, we have... Ace Boogie coming up. I'm excited for Ace Boogie. Ace Boogie, if you don't know, is the co-host of Winsinati with our buddy Zim Hude. So they asked me to join their show a couple of weeks ago, and it was awesome. And I think Ace Boogie is one of the great nicknames of all time. We'll ask him where that came from. I think I know where it came from, but we're going to ask him for sure. Now, Casey, you have followed that show 
that podcast for quite a while. My son has too. I think that Zim Hude is an analytical dude. He looks at uh, game film, but he's more on the emotional side, right? I think Ace Boogie is a little more, you know, subdued, likes breaking it all down. Is that fair? Yeah, uh, I also think that out of the two, uh, Ace is definitely a realist. Um, He doesn't sugarcoat things. I've been watching Ace for a very long time, probably one of his very first subscribers. I remember the days where uh, he was doing his halftime reaction to a Bengals game versus, uh, I think it was the Ravens versus the Bengals. And he's out there, out in the street, and he's like, you want to know what Andy Dalton looks like right now? And he takes the phone and he just shows a giant trash can right out in the streets. And he's like, yeah, he looks like this trash can. So he's got some, he's got some flair. He's got some emotion. Um, I like him a lot. I think they're a great tandem. I think they, they are. have a really good dynamic. They are. Um, and he, he's also one of the, the, the big guys in the Bengals community that, um, that people look look to for opinions and whatnot. Um, I think I think he's a, a great guy to have on our show. And one other thing that I love about him is that he kind of coined the Amigos, which is what we reference. And they sell Tyler that Boyd attire. T- yeah, they sell all that stuff: and, t-shirts, sweatshirts, whatever it is. And when he checked in earlier, I saw that he had his Amigo shirt on. I wish Migos, I w- just Migos, Migos, right? And it looks great. Did Tom it's just look. did Tom just get get on you about Migos? <laughs> no, that's no, a wait point. A minute. No, no, my, that's good. My, that's a point a for you. My understanding point. is is that you know that Amigos thing has been used before. I mean that goes back, I think, even to the Denver Broncos and their receiving core, or the Redskins, or somebody. I can't remember who it was. The former Redskins, now the the Washington Football Wizards. But <laughs> Migos is their term. Yes. So what's so significant, Paul, about that? That me, I called, I corrected you, him on that. Because Amigos is a, it's a rap group. Amigos is a rap group. They are. Oh, no, no see, we should We're cutting this out of the podcast. Is that, is, <laughs> did they just lose one of the members? Yes. Of band? You got shot yeah. and killed. Okay, so see, I'm not that out of touch. All right? No, no. I, I, was, I just saw he's a rapper, got shot and killed, right? Yeah. Is that in Atlanta or something like that? Yeah. yeah. I think it was. Houston. Houston. Houston, right. They're from uh, Atlanta. Yeah, I'm sorry to... Oh, they're really. I got yeah. that part right, so I'm not that off the rails. No, that's that's what I'm saying. I I was giving you credit yeah. there. You should have corrected. Me. All right, I want to talk really quick. The University of Cincinnati plays basketball tonight. Ohio State plays basketball tonight. UC's playing at home against Cleveland State. But I want to get into this story about Louisville for a minute. And Paul, you're the one that brought it up. Uh, the guy who took over for Chris Mack is a guy named Kenny Payne. He played at Louisville. Played on their 1986 national championship team a longtime assistant for John Calipari uh, at Kentucky. He comes back to his alma mater. They opened their season last night, and how far has Louisville fallen? They lose last night to Bellarmine. Yeah. Right? Now, this is, a, in fairness, uh, Louisville has lost a lot of players uh, with everything that went down with Chris Mack. Uh, it's not the Louisville we're used to, but they still have some good players hanging around. Bellarmine, now fill in the blank here, Paul. They were uh, a team that had a great year last year, yep. right? And they're trying to become what? 
D1 where they can get the tournament and all that kind of thing? Yeah, so they are transitioning to Division One right now. They're in Division One. They play in the Atlantic Sun. They won their conference tournament last year, but because of their transition to D1, you're not allowed. It's it's some stupid NCAA rule that you're not allowed to play in the postseason for five years. That is ridiculous. I, I don't, I don't, Another rule by the NCAA, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't understand the rule or, or the reason behind that rule. Uh, but, yeah, they won their conference tournament last year, so they got the Atlantic Suns automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. They weren't allowed to play, so they end their season on a win, but they aren't allowed to continue it. Uh, but th this is a team that if you, if you don't know about Bellarmine, they're coached by a guy named Scotty Davenport. Bellarmine is in Louisville. Uh, it, it's right down the road from from yep. UofL. They actually play at Freedom Hall, which was the old yep. home of Louisville, who now plays at the Yum Center. So these Bellarmine kids, they play an up-tempo game. Their ball movement is crazy. They just wear you down. They, 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 they're cutting, they're off-ball movement, they're, they're passing, the way they rotate the ball as quick as they do. They just want to wear you down, and they did. The whole game, they only won by one, but they were up by 10 or, or 12 at one point throughout the second half. They were up by double digits for a lot of the second half. I, I watched almost the whole game. Um, it, was, it was a dominant performance by Bellarmine, and when Louisville started to make a run toward the end of the game, I was starting to feel real bad that, that they might slip it away. But this right here, and we're going to show you the last play of the game. This right here is a heads up play to end the game. We'll, we'll bring it on the screen. Bring it up. Wheeler the rebound. The stick back won't go. Betts the rebound. He throws the ball down the floor with three seconds left. It goes out of bounds with a half second left. That is a heads up play. So he is not a good free throw shooter and he knew it. And uh, Justin Betts is his name. And he throws the ball over his head, down the court. Louisville inbounded the ball. They added like three-tenths of a second. And it just – it was a half-court heave that went off the backboard. And Bellarmine won. And kudos to them. Scotty Davenport's a heck of a coach. He's been there forever. That's the first time in 13 tries that Bellarmine has beaten Louisville. You know, uh, for those who have not been down there um, – Louisville, in many regards, and I know around here, you know, you're supposed to say Louisville, but um, <laughs> in many aspects, in a city that size, which has become a very decent-sized city, I think it's one of the top 50 largest cities in the United States, if I'm not mistaken, um, smaller than Cincinnati, nonetheless, Louisville is like a protein. Um, and I mean that in football and basketball. There was a time there, of course, where they had Rick Pitino running the show. They had it going on. Uh, won a national championship. They had uh, some great football teams uh, at Louisville. And because they don't have a pro team, they have the Reds AAA minor league baseball team, the Louisville Bats. But when it comes to football and basketball, that is like a pro setting down there. A lot of people, a lot of money, incredible facilities. Football stadium is awesome. Basketball arena is one of the nicest venues there is in the country. It's big enough to be a pro arena. There's been talk about Andy Furman uh, and, and some people putting together a group to bring professional basketball back to Louisville. They were in Louisville back in the old ABA days, for those of you old enough to remember. Uh, but, but I imagine uh, they knew what they were getting into in Louisville, but I, I don't think, Paul, there is any way, shape, or form they thought it could start like this. Yeah, this is bad. And the other reason that this is really bad is because 
they lost their exhibition to a D2 team, which you can't really re- really read too much into exhibition losses because it's a situation where the coach is trying to get guys in, maybe use different rotations for a game that doesn't matter. But when you start to stack performances like this one after another, and Louisville showed no reason last night why they're going to be any kind of a factor this year. And if you look at the schedule that they play, I mean, obviously – you know, playing in the ACC, they're gonna they're gonna play who they're gonna play in the ACC, but they're also playing Arkansas. I mean, they're playing in a, in in the uh, Maui Invitational, just like UC is. But they got Maryland. They they have Miami, Florida, who's a very good team yep. this year. Jim Laranega has has what he's done for that program over the last decade has been amazing. Uh, it's just obviously Kentucky in the rivalry in Kentucky might be the best team in the country this year. Louisville has a long season ahead of them. They are they under any kind of probation? No, that, uh, nothing, nothing that should really affect the program okay. going forward. Cause a lot of that stuff went down when Patino was there. Well, yeah. And, and, what that was what we talked about the other day from that independent review panel, that IARP that gave them their five thousand dollar punishment and some probation from last from a from a couple weeks ago. It's basically the the assistant coaches have some some deals with recruiting. Um, it, it's nothing that's it's nothing that down the line will really hold the Louisville program back. It's just for right now they are in a really bad spot. Okay. Um... Xavier plays again, what, tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. Are they playing anybody anytime soon? Indiana next Friday. That's a big-time game. Indiana next Friday. At Indiana. No, at Cintas. Wow. Big-time game. At uh, Indiana, I think, is ranked 12th in the country, yeah, something like bi- that. Yeah, picked to win the Big Ten. Yeah, big-time game. Big-time game. But, no, Xavier plays Montana tomorrow night. UC plays Cleveland State tonight. Yep. Cleveland State has a new coach this year. Dennis Gates, their old coach, left, and he took over Missouri. Uh, Cleveland State's not a very good team. This is another another one for UC to get them ready for Maui. And and the uh, refresh my memory here, the um, shootout this year is played when and where? It will be at Cincinnati on December tenth. Mm. I tell you, that's going to be an interesting game this year. Yeah, it's it's it'll be a toss up. In fact, I, right now, I mean, if you look at the look ahead lines before all the all the lines kind of get use the data from the year. I mean, you see right now uh, is favored by two. No kidding. So that, that, that's basically that's just ba- that's just on the analytics that but that's you, a home thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. What the the way that you read that is that it's a toss up game this year, and and uh, I think most people so far would would say that Xavier has a little bit of an edge just because of some of the guys that they brought back. Yep. But being at UC, uh, you know that's. Everybody listening to this show knows what that game means to this city. Absolutely. So. The um, player formerly known as uh, Mouse Coop. Oh, so yeah. Cintas is already sold out tomorrow night. Yeah, it's, it's alumni weekend this weekend. So it'll be a... Alumni weekend? Yeah, well, they don't, have, uh, they don't have a football team. So there's no homecoming. Alumni weekend. Beers will be flowing down there at... Uh, what's the name <laughs> of that dump? The, the, the place you like so much. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I, I've never been there. You've, I've never been. Don't even name it. Don't even worry about it. We're not going to say it because that was unfair to say. Uh, my wife got on me yesterday about uh, 
the comments I made at the end of the show about gambling in California. <laughs> and I just told her, I said, that's not getting political. Those are the facts. <laughs> I mean, you know, but, but the poly got all over me. And so, you know, I better watch what I say. And Lord knows I probably should have thought about that a couple of years ago. Um, so today we are going to uh, basically with Ace Boogie, but then with, with Casey and Paul, uh, we're going to break down what in essence is the midway point of this Bengal season, where they are in the bye week. We know their record. We know the way the season has played out. But we're going to talk about different areas of the team. And not necessarily. We can, we can do it. We can grade them. We're not going to put anything up necessarily graphically. Uh, but we're going to do that. A couple of things came up in the NFL before we get to Ace Boogie here that caught my attention, maybe yours as well. Uh, this week, the Dallas Cowboys are playing the Green Bay Packers. And of course, for a dozen years, Mike McCarthy was the head coach for the Green Bay Packers. He's now the head coach, as you know, for the Dallas Cowboys. And it's only natural um, when Aaron Rodgers uh, is getting ready to face his longtime coach. And there were moments there, and he admitted it. Uh, whether you like Aaron Rodgers or don't like him, you think he's a, you know, a diva, all these kinds of things. I always have found him, and I've had a chance to talk with him many, many times in, in meetings getting ready for games. I've always found him to be a guy that, that has some depth to him. Uh, when, when you go into a room, and this is no knock on Drew Brees, uh, I love who Drew Brees is, what he stands for, great player. But you were getting pretty much a robot just talking about the game and X's and O's. You weren't getting a lot of sort of insight uh, on topics maybe outside of the game itself. With Rodgers, that was very different. You could ask him about different things, and, and he'd be willing to give his opinion. Sometimes people don't want to hear it. Uh, he went through the whole thing with the COVID vaccine last year and, 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 and you know, all that kind of thing. That's fine. But – um, he became, I guess, quite emotional yesterday talking about Mike McCarthy, uh, their ups and downs through the years. They won a Super Bowl together uh, and, and says as he gets older, like a lot of us, uh, you look back on some of the relationships that you have in your life or your career. And he talked about there are a lot of days that, that, that he reflects back on that uh, and misses Mike McCarthy. I don't think it was any shot on Matt LaFleur. Did you guys see the press conference, hear any of the press conference, any of that kind of thing? I did not, no. I thought it was really interesting. Um, so check it out if you'd like to. It, 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 I thought it was pretty good. Um, the other thing that really caught my attention was this whole sort of, I don't know if anybody made it out to be some kind of a, a rift, but it certainly was something that started after Russell Wilson left Seattle. He was there forever. His head coach the whole time he was there was Pete Carroll. They won a Super Bowl together. So Pete Carroll was asked yesterday about Geno Smith, who's playing great, right? I mean, he would be in the MVP conversation for me. Uh, the way he's played and led that team so far this year, no one saw that coming. But Geno Smith apparently is wearing one of those wristbands. You see it in college all the time, more in college than you do the pros. Uh, but, you know, making sure you've got the right play, the right formation, all those kinds of things on your wrist when you're making the call in the huddle. Uh, Pete Carroll was asked about that, you know, and he says, well, 
there was some pushback on that over the last number of years. He doesn't say anything, doesn't name Russell Wilson. But the only guy he could be talking about was Russell Wilson. So naturally, the press then goes to Russell Wilson and ask him about those comments that were made. Casey, you have this soundbite? I do. Okay, here it is. Come to find out, what do you mean? Well, there's, you know, Pete Carroll said something about putting a wristband, putting the play calls on the wristband. Uh, I don't know exactly what he said, but um, but I, I think, you know, won a lot of games there without one on the wrist. Put it, you know, and uh, I didn't know uh, winning or losing mattered if you wore a wristband or not. But uh, I think that, uh, you know, I you know do whatever it takes to, to, to make sure that we're rolling and, and moving and, and everything else. I've, I've, the few times I've definitely won a wristband, depending on the game plan and what we have called and all that stuff. But, yeah. Now, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I, first of all, I'm going to state for the record, because a lot of people may disagree. I love Russell Wilson. I'm not saying he's what he used to be. I think he's surrounded by bad talent, um, or, or at least some, some, some parts that just haven't gelled together yet. But, I mean, why would you go out of your way if you're Pete Carroll? And, and even, even the smallest slight on the guy that was your quarterback for the last decade. Why would you do that? And maybe he doesn't look at it that way. Yeah, I, I always like to think that maybe an op, like a, a, a good look about it. Maybe he just did it on accident and yep. didn't realize it. But, man, that was not a good – like, that's such a minor thing. Like, who cares about a wristband? Like, honestly, why was it even brought up to begin with? That's well, my I'm question. sure that somebody in the media just thought that, you know, this guy's wearing it. You haven't had anybody else wear it in the past. You know, maybe what's going on there or, you know, I don't know. I didn't watch the entire press conference. Paul, any thoughts on that? I don't really have much of a take on it, to be honest, Well, Tom. you guys, the Hammeneggers have showed up in very – I mean, I, it's, it's, it's a wristband. Good I just, Lord. Uh, my, my issue is Russell won you a Super Bowl. Any sort of slight at all is just not in good taste in my opinion. And I get Pete Carroll is doing well now, but that doesn't mean like we're, we're still in the middle of the season. Geno Smith could just end up turning into a pumpkin by the time the season's over with. That's a good reference. So, Cinderella. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> High level. High yeah, level stuff. See, it is. But it is. so my, my thing is how about we just save the, the, the slights for if you're feeling like you're, we're, cheated out of having a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, then maybe keep it behind closed doors because Russell Wilson is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And I get that he's been struggling in Denver, but like I, I couldn't imagine Marvin Lewis doing the same thing about Andy Dalton. Could you? No chance. No so, chance. So no. to me, it's like Russell is at a higher level than that and a whole different plane. I don't know. It's just a bad look on Pete Carroll's part. Yeah, I, I, I do. You know, and, and again, it might be completely harmless. And, and, and Pete Carroll is, is I mean, I, he hadn't ripped guys that, is, that have left his organization in the past. And so I don't know. Um, but just food for thought out there. All right, we're going to take a break. And we got our buddy. First time he's been on the program. 
Yep. Ace Boogie to talk about the Bengals. He knows his stuff. That's coming up next on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. It's my pleasure. I had a chance to actually join Winsonati, uh, his very popular podcast with our buddy uh, Zim Hudig. And that is Ace Boogie. Ace, how are you, young man? Nice to see you. Nice to have you on the program. Glad to be here, man. Thank you for having me. And also, thanks for coming on to the Cincinnati podcast. We appreciate that. Now, how often are you doing a podcast? Let's give that some pub here, because even though you guys have 18,000 times the number of followers we have, but for those that may, may not know, your show is on when and where can people find it? Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Wincinnati Podcast YouTube channel. Now, like Zim Hude, um, you are not living in Cincinnati, but you follow the Bengals regularly. Where, where do you live, and being outside of town, and why do you follow the Bengals? Uh, I actually grew up in Cincinnati majority of my life, but I moved to Florida for college. So now I currently live in Orlando, Florida, after uh, getting my MBA and, and working, I ended up staying down here. So the Bengals thing for me started when I lived in Cincinnati for sure. And I just couldn't couldn't let it go at all. Whatsoever. Where'd you go to high school, if you don't mind me asking? Wyoming High School. So oh, man. Home of the Cowboys. Home of the Cowboys. We give yes, them a sir. tail kicking regularly over at Marymont in just about everything except for uh, football. Not, not so sure about that, man. <laughs> you might be right on that. Um, boy, they got a big time football team there this year. Are you following them in the state playoffs? They're undefeated. I, I don't I think they've lost a regular season Coach, game in like four years. Yeah, I actually, I actually have because Coach Hancock, who's the coach now, uh, I remember when he was kind of a positional coach when I was there. So I do keep up with them, and he's doing some great things with the program. I haven't checked their latest playoff game, but I knew that they were doing pretty good up until that point. Yeah, they play uh, th this weekend, and uh, they're undefeated. They got the great running back, C.J. Hester, over there. Yes, I'm sir. still royally chapped that kid's not going to Ohio University and going to another Mac school, but that's a different conversation. Uh, Ace, g give me your overall thoughts and impressions, because no one follows the Bengals closer than you do. I mean, none of these big-money, high-profile guests we have on here all the time but nobody knows him better than you do. What What are your thoughts about the Bengals' five and four season so far? Well, obviously, you kind of have to feel like the Bengals lost some of the games that they probably should have won, right? But that was during a time where they were trying to figure out this cover, too. Everybody was pretty much trying to take the explosive plays away. And Zach Taylor and the staff just really had to figure that out. And so I think they're in a spot now that's actually very similar to where they were last season, right? You talk about five and four going into the bye. However, when they come out of this, just like I said last year, it has to be a playoff type intensity with this team going forward, especially with some tough teams like the Bills, the Chiefs, those guys coming down the schedule. They're going to have to get in a space where they can do it. But I do feel confident that they can because this is a team that where now we're in November and December. That's where they kind of made that run last season. I think that they could do the same. You know, Zim gets all fired up, you know, when he's on the program and on your podcast, Cincinnati, about, uh, you know, everybody's scared to death of the Bengals. And I, th I think he's right on that. I mean, that's the kind of team you would not want to play when you look at all of the weapons. But 
Uh, let's assume for a second, and, 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 you know, look, I'm not privy to any inside information on how severe Jamar Chase's injury is, how long he's going to be out. They're not saying anything about it. They probably, quite frankly, don't know. But do you think, and I know they put up the big numbers against Carolina, but Carolina's awful. But uh, do, do you think that this team is capable of putting together that kind of a run uh, not to the Super Bowl necessarily, but I'm just saying a regular season run, you alluded to the schedule, without Jamar Chase. Well, obviously, Jamar Chase is a huge part of what they do, right? He's a fantastic player. He's elite. But I've always talked to people about Joe Burrow from 2020, right? He didn't have Jamar Chase. He was out there with A.J. Green, who wasn't the same A.J. Green that we were used to, a rookie T. Higgins, Auden Tate at at some points, Joe Mixon went down at one point. I think that they still have enough to still compete and win in these games because when you have that quarterback like Joe Burrow, he's going to make guys like Trent Taylor, Trenton Irwin look a little better than what they are, right? That's the whole point of having an elite quarterback is because they can raise the level of the guys around you versus a guy like Andy Dalton, who when you have elite talent around him and they go down, that offense takes a huge hit. So I think that they will miss Jamar Chase, but I do think that they can make a run with the players that they have. You talk about a Joe Mixon, you talk about T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, the ways that they are using those guys. They got to get Hayden Hurst more involved. Uh, but sure, I think with them getting a guy like DJ Reader back on defense, I think that they can still make a run towards the playoffs, even without Jamar Chase. It may be tough when you go into those games against the Bills and Chiefs. Maybe those are games that you don't win. But outside of those ones, I feel like they can technically win any of these other games that they have left on the schedule without Jamar Chase. You know, you look at the defense, and uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, the defense had not allowed a second-half touchdown. That was up until the uh, Cleveland game. Uh, and, and I look at the defense, and you mentioned Reader. Um, I know the defense last year in the postseason, uh, everybody talks about the offensive weapons and rightfully so, but let's face it, when they got into the postseason last year, it was the defense that won uh, most of those games, having to go on the road and all the interceptions against Tennessee and having to go on the road and shut down Mahomes in the second half uh, at Kansas City. I think the defense is much better even though uh, from where it was a year ago. You agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think a lot of people kind of forgot, you know, early on in the season when we were in the same point, the defense kind of did the same thing. Like the offense was really inconsistent to start last season. The defense held it together. Then when the offense really took fire, the defense wasn't where it needed to be. And then when the playoffs started, uh, they were better. I think this one is better. I think that they're more comfortable within the system. I think guys like Von Bell are playing better. I think there are other guys that are stepping up on this team. You talk about Akeem Davis Gaither, who wasn't there for the run last season. Uh, Logan Wilson got hurt during that stretch, came back and played. He looks like he hasn't missed a beat since that playoff run in the Super Bowl. Jermaine Pratt doesn't get talked about enough. You're right. Eli Apple surprisingly has played very consistent as well. I mean, this defense, I think they're clicking on all cylinders. The only thing that I'd like to see, though, from this defense is more pressure uh, from the pass rushing standpoint, right? Like one of the things that we were able to get last year was the interior pressure from a guy like Larry Ogunjobi. They don't have that anymore. B.J. Hill's doing a decent job, but they're going to need other guys to step up that are not named Trey Hendrickson uh, and not named Sam Hubbard to try to uh, deliver some more to this pass rush. And I think guys like Joseph Osai, I think those guys can definitely do it. But, yeah, I would say that the defense is playing 
better than they were last year, uh, even through that playoff run. So if there are negatives or concerns for you, you just pointed out the pass rush. And I've said that from day one. I was a proponent, and I don't know the salary cap structure and where the Bengals are uh, all the way through. I love the idea, uh, and the Ravens beat them to it. I love the idea of going out and signing a Jason Pierre-Paul, that kind of a guy where because of the way their defensive line sets up, you know, you don't have to put him out there uh, for half the plays, if even that, and just tell him, go get the quarterback. Well, the Ravens made that move. The Bengals did not. Uh, so outside of that pass rush thing, what concerns you most about this team moving forward? Well, I might take a little heat for this. And, you know, I like to have guys prove me wrong. I'm not trying to get down on certain players or anything like that. But when I really look at the last two games, a guy that I need more from, uh, the rookie Cam Taylor Britt. Obviously, he's a rookie stepping into a new role as a corner. I'm a former corner myself. I played for the Wyoming Cowboys. That's the hardest position in football, right? But it seems like in the Cleveland game, they kind of picked on him. Uh, he also gave up a touchdown in the last game. I just don't want him to be the guy that teams start to target moving forward. So hopefully he gets comfortable. That's a possible weakness there, right? That's someone that can get picked on. We talked about the pass rush. Uh, for me, if DJ Reader is back, I don't see the the run defense being an issue. So for me, I'd probably say the liability in the secondary that could be Cam Taylor Britt or Eli Apple if he ends up returning um, to some of those issues that he had before, I would probably say that those are the weaknesses outside of pass rush. You know, I think it's unfair uh, at times. You talk about how hard. There's no doubt about it. You are spot on. Cornerback is by far uh, the most difficult position to play in the National Football League, uh, maybe outside of being a great quarterback. But you got to have a short memory. Uh, you're going up against the best athletes in the world, and that's what the wide receiver position has become. You are playing the best athletes in, in, in American sports. Let's put it that way. Um, I think it's a little unfair to ask guys to be something that they're not. And you just pointed out, you know, Britt came out of college as a safety. Generally, safeties, generally speaking, are bigger stronger, more rugged kind of guys that maybe don't have quite the athleticism as some of the cornerbacks have. So I just wonder, now with the Wouzier out, you know, are, are, are you asking a young man in his rookie year um, to do something that, that he's never done before, or at least regularly done before? Yeah, I agree. I think it is something, and when they took him, at first I was like, the Bengals just take another safety? Like, I, I get that he's played some nickel, he's played some corner for sure, but he does seem like a guy that is kind of having to learn a lot of things at once and getting thrown into the fire. Uh, so I would probably say, you know, is he going to be a guy like Sauce Gardner? No, we, we obviously know that, right? Uh, but hopefully they can mold his tackling ability into a guy that can play corner and can do some things specially for them. And I think one of the things, too, is if they do play some zone, hopefully he can get into a position where that will help him out a lot because he'll be responsible for a particular area instead of playing man-to-man. -man. And if yeah. he does play man-to-man, -man, uh, Lou's going to have to do some things like having a safety over the top to help him uh, in coverage. That's a great point. I mean, our man here, the Ham and Eggers, by the way, uh, Ace Boogie, uh, uh, Casey McAllister and Paul Fritchner, you know, they – 
that, you know, we listened to you and I asked Casey earlier, I said, tell me about my man, Ace Boogie. And he said, this guy, you've been following him forever. Am I right on that, Casey? Yeah, probably since the very beginning, honestly. I can remember the days where you were showing the trash can to describe Andy Dalton's play on the field. <laughs> the, those were some great times, honestly. I, I, I love that clip. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know your stuff. And uh, I think you're hitting the, 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 the head on the nail here. Um, that would be the nail on the head. Nail on the head. Yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head okay. here. Um, you ought to know that if you're doing all this work in your new house. That's true. <laughs> uh, I, I got a lot of work to do in that house, too. It's going to be a while. But, yeah, I mean, Kim Taylor Britt, to me, kind of disappointed me in the last couple games. Um, I think he is kind of just being thrown into the fire, and I have a feeling that he wasn't naturally supposed to be cornerback, too. He was supposed to be... Uh, Jesse Bates replacement, right? Well, that or Dax Hill or, or right that right. or uh, Trey. Um, I can't remember his last name. Flowers. Flowers. Trey Flowers. Flowers. Be Trey Flowers replacement. Cover the tight ends. Um, be that secondary guy and that specialty guy um, because he's got the same profile. So I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's what they had in mind. But now that Trey Flowers is hurt, Awuzie being out for the year, yep. he's just gonna have to play that position and learn really quickly you got to coach him up and I mean you know you can't have any fault whatsoever and, and, and we've picked apart this coaching staff from time to time especially the play calling uh, but you cannot pick apart uh, the job that Lou Anarumo has done as defensive coordinator here since they've given him some players to work with and the same can be said of Zach Taylor I mean his first couple of years they had nothing uh, and they were getting their brains beat in every game one area we've not talked about Ace Boogie is the offensive line now, you break this stuff down and watch these guys. Who's having a good year on that offensive line in your estimation? I would probably point to the interior. I mean, you talk about Alex Kappa, Ted Karras. Uh, you talk about Volson. Those guys are definitely finding their way. And one of the things that I felt like I was in the minority on this, but I wanted to see better run blocking. Like, they've done a great job in the interior of pass blocking, but – I just remember games where I would just see Joe Mixon run up to the line and it was like he was running into a brick wall. We saw that change last game. Guys are pulling, guys are doing things. So I would probably say the best part of the offensive line this season is definitely the interior with those guards, with those centers. They're definitely getting their money's worth, I think, from those guys. And now, not only the passing game, now it appears they may be getting that uh, from the run game, which is really what those guys are really good at yes. uh, when you look at their profiles and, and where they came from. I argued with your buddy. I argued with your buddy, Zim Hude. Uh, I told him, I, I said, you know, you're not going to win in the NFL if you can't run the ball, especially if you're playing in bad weather. And we know starting this weekend, I mean, you're down there in Florida, so you got it great every day. But, you know, here we've had the most incredible fall weather I can ever remember. But apparently today is the end of that. We got sunny in 70, and starting on Saturday – the highs are in the 40s yep. every single day for the foreseeable future with lows at night in the 20s. So, you know, you got to be able to run the ball when you're playing in these cold weather towns. And, uh, and they showed at least the ability, and, and I'm agreeing with you, that, that that's what these guys really is, is the strength of this offensive line. Not that they can't pass block. Uh, they've gotten better as the season's gone on, by and large. But, but this is a run this is a run-heavy group. 
as far as moving people off the line of scrimmage. So with that in mind, I know they did it one game against Carolina. Do you think they try to become a, a, a more – you hear the word all the time. You get tired of hearing it. A more balanced team on offense. Do you think that happens, or do you think Zach Taylor falls back on what he did two weeks ago against Cleveland – where the first 21 plays of the game on offense, 17 of the 21 are throwing the ball. With Zach, it's always tough, right? Like a lot of people forget when Zach first uh, came to Cincinnati, he didn't like to run the ball. A lot of people forgot that, right? And then a lot of people were saying, hey, this is the AFC North, you have to run the ball. I think losing Jamar Chase, and I kind of said this when it happened, it almost causes you to have to use Joe Mixon more and have to run more of a balanced attack And I like what they did when it comes to Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor, like them now running out of 12 man fronts with two tight ends. Like that is something that they should have done. I used to be really critical on the type of run plays that the formations that they would line up in because they weren't really putting Joe Mixon in positions for success. Um, Now with what they're showing now, I definitely think that running the ball is going to be a key. You even look at the Steelers game, right? What was one of the reasons that we killed the Steelers last year? Joe Mixon. You know, I talked to some of my guys that uh, cover Pittsburgh and coming into week one, they were worried about Joe Mixon. So I definitely think having that balanced attack is going to help open things up. They've done things like RPOs. And if you have that working, then it's just going to make the play action work a lot smoother. Uh, And you can use the run to set up the pass. So I do think Zach kind of learned his lesson. And I think it's going to vary by game to game, right, depending on what defense's weakness is. Um, But sure, I do think that they can run a more balanced attack moving forward. Where did the nickname Ace Boogie come from? I love, that's one of my, it might be my single favorite nickname on the planet, Ace Boogie. For sure. Uh, Well, it originated from my favorite movie. My favorite movie is Paid in Full. One of the main characters in there, his name is Ace Boogie. Uh, When I was starting New Stripe City, uh, one of the the founding purposes of that or the creative ideas that I pulled from was actually New Jack City. So instead yep. of calling it New Jack City, I called it New Stripe City. And then I went with uh, my favorite character from Paid and Full, Ace Boogie. So that is where the name originated from. And, and you're, you said earlier, an MBA, which automatically makes you far superior on an intelligence level than anybody who sits in this studio on a daily basis. That I can tell you on a regular. You got an MBA, Paul? I do not. You got an MBA case? Uh, no. I know the dunce doesn't over there either. <laughs> MBA? That's a big leaguer ace boogie. What the hell are you doing on this show? <laughs> I appreciate it, man. It's, <laughs> it's something I went to FAMU for business school. Um, it's something that I still do in uh, my professional life, so I still use that. I actually work in tech as a business report developer. Um, so it actually helps me in both of those angles. So I'm able to use the technology side uh, and the Bengals. Well, not the Bengals, the business side. But one of the things I've always been interested in, and you, you kind of talked about it on the Cincinnati podcast, has been analytics and stuff like that. I like looking at things from that view. Um, and so it just helps me not only take care of my business professionally, but it just also kind of gives me a little insight into why things happen the way that they do. But sports has always been a passion of mine. So... I love talking sports, whether I'm at work, talking business or talking sports, that's where you'll find me. Now, the shirt you have on there, the, the, that's the stuff that you and Zim are selling, right? Migos, stuff like that going on, right? It's a big league t-shirt. 
Yes, yes. Zem has his t-shirts as well. And then I have mine, which is the Migos. This, this thing came about when the Migos actually were released an album last year. Unfortunately, they had a member pass away. Yep. Uh, but they had an album that was coming out. And everyone was trying to figure out what nickname to call this trio of receivers. And at the time, I had not really done any graphic design or anything like that. And I saw the Migos' new album, and the album cover was like their three phrases molded together. And I was just like, they're the Migos, like three receivers, three rappers, let's put it together. And I reached out to a couple of people, right? And they were kind of dragging their feet on, on doing it. So I just said, you know what? Had to grab the Thanos gauntlet. I'll just do it myself. And so I put the shirt out, I made the design, and I didn't think anything of it. Like it didn't really take off super fast. And so I ended up sending the shirts to Joe Burrow and every one of the Migos. So T Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. A lot of people don't realize the first person that actually posted it, he didn't wear it, uh, but he posted it was Jamar Chase. Really? And then after that, I heard nothing. So I was like, well, maybe they're mad that I use their faces. I don't know what's going on. And then when the Bengals played the Ravens and all three receivers had big games, I got my phone just started blowing up randomly at night. Tyler Boyd apparently had worn the shirt that night, posted on this story, um, was like showing gloating. Actually, this exact shirt, because I sent him a black one. I believe I sent Jamar Chase an orange one. And I sent Joe a white one. And I believe I sent T. Higgins a white one. And so that got a lot of traction. And then I happened to be out with my wife for her birthday, celebrating at Disney World, watching the Chiefs Bengals game. And as we're on the float, kind of going over into Disney World, my phone starts blowing up again. And then Zim calls me, Zim's calling me. And so at first I'm like, I'm with my wife, you know how that is, I'm not gonna answer. Then I, I she's just like, you know, babe, pick it up. So I pick it up and he's like, bro, do you see, look at Twitter, Joe's wearing your shirt. Joe decides to wear it. So that was just an amazing, an amazing feeling. And I appreciated it. It sent a message, I think. And that's one thing that I admire about Joe and I appreciate about Joe is there's always a message um, before he goes into games. Casey. Yeah. Uh, you know what's funny about that story, Ace, is I actually went to Florida to Disney the exact same time wearing that shirt, that white Migo <laughs> shirt. And I'm on the plane, you know, the, the game is happening on the plane. And I'm just like sitting there uh, like a, just depressed because at the time they were down like 21 to 7. Is this a and, playoff you know, game or the regular season? No, this game? is the regular season okay. game. Okay. Regular season. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, this is not great. And then I get off the plane and they won. And I'm looking on Twitter. I'm like, yes, <laughs> the Migos. And I'm like just smacking my shirt and whatnot. And. I saw that he's wearing the same white Migo shirt. I'm like, wow, this is just awesome, man. Like, great for you, great for the community. It was just an awesome time. It's cool. Yeah, especially because we beat the Chiefs the way that we did. It yeah, was just like, oh, yeah. It was just something crazy. I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good stuff. Definitely well, Ace, we appreciate your time today, my man. And uh, we'd love to have you back sometime if you'd be willing. Always love to have you back. You obviously know the Bengals. Uh, inside and out, as well as anybody that we've had on this program. And, uh, and we appreciate your insights and your time today. So have a great rest of your day down there in sunny Florida. Although, you know, I, I wonder, you, I mean, you're well off the coast in Orlando, but any concern down there with the, uh, the hurricane coming in and some of the after effects in your area? 
we did get hit a little bit this morning around like probably about three o'clock. It's still some rain a little bit outside, but when I went out, it was just a lot of branches and debris. So thankfully nothing major, but definitely prayers for those that, that may have been hit a little harder. Uh, but yeah, so far we are good. So hopefully it stays that way, still have power, still have everything. So uh, we will definitely be weathering the storm. Hopefully it'll get back to those sunny days next week, but appreciate you guys for having me for sure. All right. Take care of yourself, Ace. We'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Who day? Oh, who day indeed. Ace Boogie. Love having Ace Boogie on the program. We stepped it up a notch by having him on. Yeah, an NBA. <laughs> he is not a ham and agger, that's for sure. Definitely not. His buddy Zim, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Although I gotta tell you, you know, I mean, a lot of people wonder, and 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 uh and I didn't bring this up with Ace. I just, you know, he 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 alluded in the uh, first comment he made about getting an MBA, he went to Wyoming High School, went to Florida Atlantic, uh, or right? Florida A&M. Florida A&M, forgive me, uh, for college, and he got his MBA. So, I, you know, I came back to it. I wasn't asking him what he does in his real life, if you will, and nor have I asked Zim Hude. But, I mean, clearly, Zim's got something else going on, and, uh, and I'm not going to get into it with him sometime. If that's his business, that's his business. But he seems like he's on his game. He lives in this beautiful area outside of D.C., I mean, these guys aren't clowns. No. You know what I mean? I I think, and look, I was as guilty as anybody. I will say this up front and honestly. When I was doing uh, Reds games, you know, there's that whole community, just like there there is for the Bengals. There's that whole community of guys that are following this team on a regular basis. Many of them did not like me because I did not get into the whole analytics thing. And they were very critical of me not talking about it and bringing it up and all that kind of thing. And I'm not going to say I looked down my nose because I, I, I've never looked down my nose at anybody in my whole life. Uh, walk down the street and compassion and, and, and feel for people who are, are going through tough times every single day, uh, whether they got a billion dollars or they got nothing. But I did not put a lot of stock in, in what they thought about. You know what? In hindsight, that's my bad. Because I think a lot of these people really follow the team and they know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I, not to, it, it's it's for some people, it's their livelihood and how they do, how they feel for the rest of the week, these games. I know that sounds really crazy, but that is fanatic. They are the ultra fans and they decided, like Ace and Zim, that there wasn't much of a voice for the common folk of Bengals fans. Right. There was a lot of professional voice in the Bengals media team, but we, the fans, felt a different way, and they're a great outlet and a great voice for that. I think it's awesome, honestly. I think, Tom, to your point, the internet and social media and everything else has given so many more people, and honestly, so many smart people, an opportunity to have an outlet to talk about the team and to give a different perspective than you might have heard 30, 40, 50 years ago when you're watching your team or you're listening to your team on the radio or you're reading your local yep. sports columnist and that sports columnist is the voice of the city and that's really where everybody gets their takes from. But now with blogs and podcasts and everything else, there's this opportunity for people that are very smart and very educated sports fans 
to be able to share their opinions and give people a different perspective that you weren't going to get before. And you, you listen to guys like this. You listen. To, there's so many people for the Reds that do a good job with that. Nick Kirby is one that comes yep, to mind. Yep, very sharp uh, guy. Guys that really do a good job covering any team, really, and, and being able to do that and share their opinions and give people a different way to look at the game and enjoy the game is – it's a good thing. You know, there's competition in the market for all of these things, and – the Cincinnati podcast is right up there with a lot of these with a lot of these things. Yeah, and I would I would argue too. I mean, just look at us as a, as a chatterbox as a whole. I mean, it's based off the same principle. We're we're not prof- well. You are an ex professional, but none of us here are. <laughs> Did you just say ex professional? <laughs> well, <laughs> is that what you just said? Yeah, I mean, you are a professional, but no, no, you said ex. You, no, 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 no. You didn't say you are a professional. You said you are an ex professional do you know what being an ex-producer means uh, <laughs> go ahead am i about to find out i know what you meant i had to take that yeah. shot right paul i had to take that <laughs> ex-professional but you know we're we're i mean you know <laughs> you know it is what it is uh you, you know you drive up here to hamilton every day it's taking me 40 minutes to get here uh, I am grateful for the opportunity to be here. I, I was so excited about these young men I was working around, building their <laughs> resumes, building their careers, you know. Thought we had a good working relationship here. But apparently, you know, these guys are coming into work every day and they're thinking, well, hell, I'm working with an ex-professional. It's amateur hour around here. No, no. <laughs> Paul, is that what he said? I can't breathe. Is that what he just said? Oh, Casey. <laughs> Casey, please. It's you know, a good thing. I mean, shit, it's amateur hour around here. Go ahead. I'm just saying, like, uh, our Chatterbox <laughs> as the as a brand is based off of <laughs> is based off of a bunch of Casey. Guys just stop all your head. <laughs> stop all your head, Casey. And I'm not Brandon, even. I mean, maybe you're not professional anymore. You know, you're gone from the quote unquote mainstream media, the legacy uh... media, whatever the terms are. Um, you know, so maybe you're out too, ex-professional. I don't know, you and That's I, our new term around here from now on. I don't know if this mic is on or not, Casey. Yeah, I just it, turned it I'm on. not a professional, so I wouldn't know if it's on or not. Yeah, I don't, Casey's just throwing. We want to talk about anything else, Casey, we got on here. Paul's sitting here. <sighs> Paul, Paul's, right, Paul's still a professional, though, right? Because he does well, Xavier. Well, let trying, me tell you I'm what trying. has happened to the chat room since that comment was made. <laughs> Purchasing. <laughs> Purchasing. Slap him, Tom. <laughs> Thomas says, yikes. <laughs> Sir Boy Wonder, Tom, fire him. How dare you? Ex-professionals. Boom shakalaka, uh-oh. And R. Kilmar. Maybe I'm not pronouncing that right. You've been here before, so i got to figure out how. Write me on this chat room, please, and how to pronounce that so I know from now on. Um, says, uh, open mouth, insert foot. <laughs> We're clipping that. I like to dig graves. I'll tell you. <laughs> Your own? <laughs> Sometimes. Some yeah. people get paid to dig graves for other people. <laughs> there are a lot of people that get paid to, to, to <laughs> dig graves for themselves. <laughs> no. that was Believe the- me, I've done that in my life. So Casey just kept talking. That was the issue. He just kept going. There wasn't, a, <laughs> there wasn't like a stop of, of the sentence. No. No. That's okay. 
Paul, you can get your, you know, your face out of your hand out of there. I mean, it is what it is. Casey said what he said, and so you know. Congrats on being the only professional in here, Paul. Yeah. Hi. Right. We're just ex-professionals. So would Tracy Jones be an ex-professional too, or is he still a professional? I think we're just um, leaving. This is like Casey Stinkless. We're just gonna have to leave Casey up to up to his own devices. He can figure it out. You you, you just. You just figure out where everybody's professional standing is in the world. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll make a list uh, out of the people in the office. The belie I believe the, the phrasing short he, he started to go with was Chatterbox Sports is, is built off, and then Paul stopped him <laughs> of the sense of – Is his mic on? His yeah, mic is on. on. Okay. Right, go ahead. Oh, you couldn't hear me? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I can, but go, go ahead. No, I was saying his, his one sentence was Chatterbox is built off, and then Paul stopped him. He's like, nope, no, 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 no. You know, it is what it is. I, I'm going to go uh, back to work uh, as a professional. Sir Boy Wonder says, Casey owes Tom some Miller beers. Little high life, the champagne of beers. We're going to have to think of an appropriate punishment for you, Casey. <laughs> we'll think of something. Tom and I will come up with something. No, 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 no. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not about the punishment. I mean, a little ribbing, giving him a hard time. But no, we, we are a no giving show here. <laughs> That's what we are. We are all about forgiveness. There are a lot of the people out there, they can't spell that word. They don't want to know that word. They don't practice that word. And not one of us is perfect in that regard. But this show is all about forgiveness. So i tell you what. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. And while we're in our break, I would ask each and every one of you to consider the following. Ask yourself, have I been forgiven for some of the mistakes that I've made in my life? <laughs> ask yourself that question. And then ask yourself if you can extend that same forgiveness to Casey McAllister. <laughs> ask yourself that question. Maybe you find it amusing. He called me an ex-professional. We're back in a moment. All right, uh, what in the hell was that at the bottom of that screen? It was supposed to I say. I mean, is that some like recorded. website that it's like a subliminal thing that no. we should be getting on? No. So all the other ones say previously recorded with whoever right. the speaker was. Right. And apparently during the rendering, the text got all screwed up with, with Zim's clip. So I'm going to have to fix that. You think? <laughs> Yeah. You know, some of, I, I got to give it up. I mean, there, there are a lot of very clever people uh, that are in our chat room. Uh, lots of stuff going out. Um, the player formerly known as Mouse, Coop says, Mouse Cop says uh, he should have been fired since the stink list. <laughs> Boom shakalaka, Casey's buying lunch. Mm. Uh, it is, it's Kilmar. So thank you very much. I'm glad I got that right. Um, so some suggestions. Maybe Casey should dress up as punishment, dress up like Tom for a day. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Uh, Boom Shakalaka says, Casey, own it, learn from it, move on. We've all been there. I love this one. Purchasing GSS says, this could be a T-shirt. Chatterbox Sports X Professional. <laughs> I love this stuff. This is great stuff. Uh, CJ says, Tom, you're a former grave digger. I am, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Um, 
Oh, how can somebody take a shot at Ohio University basketball? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Anonymous says I should have cut Casey's hair. <laughs> okay. All right. So you had that moment. Our, our boss is here for a second, Trace Fowler. I mean, Trace, do you have any reaction to uh, actually bringing on board an ex-professional? Or are you just surrounded by ex-professionals? Here at Chatterbox Sports is our CEO. Casey is, is a man of many talents. Maybe a wordsmith isn't one of them. <laughs> now that said, now that said, I'm driving back. I just turn on the show, right? I'm driving right. back from getting a haircut. I just turn on the show. And literally the first <laughs> sentence that I am exposed to is Casey just tearing us all down. I mean, he's just ripping this company to shreds. And I'm just like, just stop, Casey. And he just, he just kept... He just kept trying to plow through the hole when there just wasn't a hole there, you know? And the only thing I have to say about this whole thing is that you were getting ready to get into something that I was sincerely interested in what you're about to say until Casey completely threw it off the rails. Which is what? I can't even remember. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to come back in here. Okay. I, need, I need to get this show back on track. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it needs you, all the help it can get. So you were talking about how when you obviously were in the booth and that's how Casey got into this whole yeah. professional, ex-professional, whatever that whatever. Right that bs was that would be x yeah yes <laughs> to be clear okay you're i think it's safe to say you are i don't care i can live with being a matter of fact i'm very comfortable in that skin no. and that nickname i'm gonna walk around and how get about this headlines right out here can make us up some great hoodies right yeah, ex-professionals. But let's go back. I don't, to... don't want to talk for Casey, but he was obviously trying to get at the idea that uh, that there's an authenticity to the concept of the internet, to where you can be whoever you'd like to be. There isn't this box that you have to fit in, um, and obviously that's where Chatterbox has kind of grown into this mold of trying to become an authentic place where you can consume content. And we try to get, and again, as many professionals as we can at this company to do a good job of that. Um, and in trying to eliminate the notion that just because you worked at a legacy media company, right. you are quote unquote better than the guy that sits in right. an office all day. Right. You were getting to the point of at the time when you obviously were doing your, your, um, play by play. Yeah. You had looked at these guys as what, walk me through what your concept was of these guys that maybe you said that you didn't look, you said you were going down the path of, you don't look down upon never, them, never. but you may have viewed them how, and kind of where has that shifted? Well, my, my whole thing with most of them at the time was, um, you know, they're going on Twitter, which I was not on, but Chris Welsh was on, and so I could read some of the stuff off of his computer during the game of some of these guys who were uh, analytic folks, for lack of a better term, um, who were livid with me about not getting into analytics, okay? And, you know, hindsight, should I have probably started looking a little bit more into the analytics? I had started to just get maybe at the first or second level of it so people could understand it. But they would go through the roof and start sending out just some of the nastiest tweets, all that kind of thing. Um, when I said on the air, and this is a fact, whether people like it or not, this is a fact, okay? 
There's a research company that Fox Sports, the network level, pays. Because at the time, Fox Sports owned all of those regional sports networks. I think they had the rights to like 23 of the 30 teams, something like that. 20 of the 30. And so they would do this independent research on what fans like, don't like, what they want to hear about, what they don't want to hear about, what makes them tune in, what really makes them tune out. And they had a list of 30 things where in all of these study groups, okay, and this was from uh, New York City because Fox is part owner of the Yes Network. I think 51 or 49%, one or the other. It's flip-flopped in recent years. All the way to Los Angeles when the Dodgers were on Fox Sports West and all points in between, including Cincinnati, St. Louis, Atlanta, right on down the road. Of the most important things, or of the most important things, for fans that they wanted to hear about, not one year in the five years when this would be presented to the Fox Sports producers and announcers and all that kind of thing, not one time in the five years did analytics rate higher than 27th. Not one time of 30 topics. Now, does that mean it's not important? No, it doesn't mean it's not important. But our job as broadcasters is to make the viewing experience the best it can possibly be for people. And if this is in the bottom three of things they, want to, they don't want to hear about, then, then why would you talk about it? I think the, the, the only argument back to that would have been that things move rapidly to a certain extent and analytics were at least somewhat part of the conversation of why people were making decisions. Yep. So then, therefore, you could argue that that's probably a part of the broadcast in regards to why they're making those decisions. Yep. And at least having a, a 30,000 feet view above of not getting into the weeds of the analytics, but at least explaining to the person that might not understand analytics why at least they're, they're making that decision. That's fair. And that would be the only uh, – I guess my only thing to you would be that the, the – um, when you are doing the games on a day-to-day -day basis, you try to take your fandom out of it. But how much of when people would say, oh, you know, Tom's too negative or whatever the cases may be of the times when you were doing that, how much of that in your mind was because of the product that you had been around for so long had just wore you down, truthfully, of just being like, I've seen bad baseball for extended periods of time? Because the opposite, I will be honest, there were times where it felt like you were obviously pessimistic on the, the whole concept of the team, but some of your calls when they were good were some of the best calls that you could argue that, that the Reds' history has had. And one of them that comes to mind is when Brandon Phillips hit the home run against St. Louis right out of the All-Star break. I don't know if you remember that or not. Do you remember no, that I call? Don't, but, but, but thank you. But, no, but my don't. point to you would be, for the person that would say, you know, and, and let's be honest, we're not going to get into the weeds of like who's there now and none of sure, that. I'm sure, not trying to no, say that, no. but we're not trying to compare and contrast people. But what I am saying, like, there's this notion that sometimes it's too optimistic when, you know, clearly things aren't going well. Yep. And maybe sometimes it was too pessimistic. Do you feel like your fandom of the Reds made an impact on how you called games? If you were calling a, I don't know, when you were with the Diamondbacks. Well, I put it, I know what you're getting at here. And, and, and I, I have heard, uh, if I've heard it once, I've heard it 10,000 times. And I agree with this statement. I always have. People would say, Tom, you are a better announcer when you were doing 
the Fox Saturday game of the week when the Giants were playing the Cardinals. Better baseball announcer when you did that game than when you were doing three days later uh, your 100th Cincinnati Reds game of that season. Better football announcer than baseball announcer with the Reds. I, I agree with that statement because it is impossible. And Joe Buck and I have talked about this I don't know how many times. It, and Kenny Albert, for that matter, too, because he doesn't do local baseball, but he does local uh, hockey and then called hockey for Fox and that kind of thing. It is impossible to take, and I don't care what anybody says, and you do the best you can. It is impossible to take the fandom side out of it. And I tried for years. I'd say to myself, okay, this year I am going to be a guy who's taking the fandom part out, which when your team's getting your butt kicked means you're taking the pessimism out, okay? But, one, it will always trickle back in. Two, what you get is, okay, now from that same fan base, not necessarily the analytics fan base, but from that same fan base of what you're talking about, what you then get is, Boy, why aren't you why aren't you more pro Reds? So if you're going to go into it and say, okay, I'm going to try to remove myself from all of this, you're going to try to be a lot more objective, and it means you're staying a lot more down the middle than being the cheerleader, which some people want, right? They don't want you to say anything bad about anybody, right? And so it, it, it's a it's a it, believe me, it's a blessing to be in there, and it was great to be in there, and all those kinds of things. But but there are those those challenges. If that answers your question, Does that yeah. Answer your so, question? so so basically, at the end of the day, you felt like obviously, I guess the question was is, do you think that that's just the nature of of your fandom is pessimism at times, or is it just because the product was? I don't, I don't want to kill him, but the product was bad. The for product was bad. The product was bad. So my point to you oh, would this, be. I mean, but it wasn't there that, all the years that I was doing no, the Reds not all games because the they had some good years. Do you think that the perception of you as being, quote, unquote, pessimistic or optimistic? Yep. Obviously, I think most people would say there was pessimism there. But do you think that if the Reds were winning 95 games a year, 100 games a year, that you personally would have in a way, broadcast a lot differently because of just the way you felt about the team because you were, at the end of the day, as you said, the question I think at the end of the day was, do you think your fandom trickled into the broadcast? And the answer was somewhat yes. Well, there's no doubt about it. And I mean, you know, look, uh, uh, but, but, but the interesting thing is, is that fans have every right in the world to be pessimistic about their team when they're getting their tails kicked, not only day after day, but year after year. Right. Right. But they don't want to hear that from a guy sitting in the booth. And I will give all the credit in the world to the guys that are in there now. Uh, they're watching a terrible product. Terrible. Second time in franchise history, they lose 100 games, right? But they, they are a very upbeat group. You know what I mean? My dad, a lot of people would label him the same way as being pessimistic, right? When they're not playing sure. good. So... You know, and, and I used to argue about this all the time with Phil Castellini, and you're really not arguing with somebody when he's your boss. He certainly thought that I was too hard on the team and would share that with me. Uh, I would go back and, and, and make the points of, wait a minute, a little, little pessimistic there, granted. I'll give you that. But could have killed him and didn't do it. You know, 
So, I mean, you know, I, I, I just think that, you know, th th there was a lot of fan there because I was born and raised and grew up in this town and grew up rooting for the Reds and grew up immediately once we moved to Cincinnati watching great teams and great players and all those kinds of things. So when they're not, the fan in you kind of comes out a little bit. That's fair. That was the only question I genuinely yeah. had. And yeah. then the, the last thing would be, as your, has your perception when you were talking about Ace Boogie and Zim and those guys, to finish my point, and I'm going to get out of here and let you continue on with the show, what, was your, what, what has changed? Because obviously you feel like you were getting to the point where you felt like something's changed with you personally to where maybe those guys, obviously, you've, you've seen a different light with those types of characters versus maybe the past, right? Well, but I think that like anything else, it, 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 there are guys out there like Ace Boogie and Zim Hude who I put a lot of stock in what they have to say, and, and they're calm and they're rational about it. They might get fired up and all that kind of thing, but they're not what I call the hater crowd out there, okay? There's a lot of hater crowd out there, right. and, and a lot of those guys that are doing that, they're a hater crowd. They really are. You can be pessimistic, but then you can be a hater, where you're crossing the line, stuff becomes personal. All that kind of thing. And um, and I'm getting something caught in my throat. We got to take a break. Not to give you a perfect segue, but here's the Bye. thing. Bye. Nobody knows haters more than Tracy Jones. <laughs> All right. We're back in a moment. At United Dairy Farmers, we've perfected freshness in our family bakery, where we use only the finest ingredients, like thick, high-quality glazes on our signature donuts, before delivering them fresh from bakery to store every day. UDF, made for you. If your AC or furnace is struggling, turn to the experts at Bartels Heating and Cooling. Their certified technicians get the job done right the first time, and if you need a new unit, Bartels will give you upfront pricing with no hidden fees. Plus, Ask about Bartell's 0% interest financing for 60 months. Learn more at BartellsHeatingAndCooling.com. Bartell's Heating and Cooling, for a comfortable way of life. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, proudly sponsoring high school football with three locations in Mason, Liberty Township, and Ross, Ohio. Our 10-foot screens guarantee a great view from every seat in the house. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, the best place in Cincinnati for sports, food, and fun. Turn when you're in pain. Turn where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. That's the Beacon difference. Check out our fresh arrivals at Jake Sweeney Used Cars. Over 250 used vehicles weekly. All makes, all models. From economy to luxury, Jake Sweeney, the original used car superstore. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We call it the best 30 minutes in uh, television, and it comes your way twice a week at 11.30 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tracy Jones uh, found his razor, apparently, since the last time we saw him. Now, Tracer, uh, you are down there in Florida, and you sent me some video. Paul, do we have that... Uh, I mean, Case, do we have that video? I'm, I'm going to pull it up here in a We're second. We're going to pull it up in a minute. Uh, things getting a little hairy down there, right? Got really tough last night, Tom. It was uh, storming. That's all Nicole, right? Category one. It hit the East Coast, then traveled to, to the uh, West Coast. 
And I got to tell you, I was scared. The winds were up to 75 miles an hour. I didn't sleep at all. I was up all night. Danae was a little nervous. The dog was going crazy. When, when Tucker gets nervous, he barks, gives out this, and then licks his nudicles. I don't know if that relaxes him or what the deal is, but he was even nervous. And right now I'm looking outside and the water's got to be 15 feet away from actually being toward the, toward the, toward the condo. So needless to say, this is a big deal. And my wife just called me a pansy ass, if you can believe that. And I'm, I'm, listen, a lot of stuff I joke around and play it off. I think this is a big deal because I'm worried about the storm surge. Well, it, it, it is a big deal. And, and everybody who went through uh, the hurricane a couple of weeks ago, I mean, there's people, right. you know, their lives have been ruined. I mean, you know, the easiest thing in the world for a lot of people to say, well, oh, that big money crowd, you know, wherever it might be, uh, you know, up and down the, the, the coast from, from Tampa to Sarasota, <laughs> all the way down to Naples and all that kind of thing. But most of the right. people uh, whose places were devastated, I mean, they're not the big money crowd. They're, they're regular folks like the Ham and Eggers and me, not necessarily you, but like these guys. And, uh, right. and, and they got to find a way to, to put life back together. And that's not easy to do. I mean, is there damage down there, even where you are? Oh, there's a ton of... And I apologize because I'm all, I always tell you guys, I'm all about the visual. And I should have taken pictures of all the debris on the side of the road. And I'm at Minnesota Key. If you don't believe me, Google Minnesota Key. And they were, it's near Englewood and down in Florida. And just the devastation. Uh, and the Hammonagers would know this because a lot of trailer parks around this area, and they were just absolutely destroyed. So it was just, it's just sad for those people. And I think this is a serious deal. And, and I don't know when you say, I got to pick up and go. Yeah. Uh, Danae seems to be all right with this. I mean, I go back to 1992 with Hurricane Andrew when I was living down in Juneau Beach. And I remember, you know, my first wife saying, we got to get out of here. And we were a little late, got in the car, grab your valuables. I grabbed my baseball cards. And I mean, we went straight up 75 and finally found a place to stay. This is a true story. Not about the baseball cards, but finally found a place to stay in Valdosta, Georgia. So that's how far we came. It ended up not damaging our place, but there was a lot of damage in South Florida. So hurricanes, hurricanes make me nervous because I've been in a lot of earthquakes in California growing up in earthquakes. The, the hurricane, for some reason, it, it scares me more. And maybe it's because I can't swim and it, it bothers me, but I'm real close, real close to taking my dog, getting in the car, and the two of us leaving. What do you mean the two of you leaving? You're not going to leave your wife there. But don't worry about Danae. She's a good swimmer. <laughs> I've got the clip if you want. Here's a clip of the video yeah. Tracy sent us earlier today of what it looks like outside of his uh, palatial estate along the western coast of Florida, Gulf side, but it traveled across the coast. And look at those waves and the winds. And you're saying the water, Tracy, is creeping up even more and more and more, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's not going to flood and come into the house or anything like that, right? You know, it wasn't supposed to do that in Fort Myers, right? It certainly wiped out everything in Fort Myers. I mean, yep. you should see the damage. I mean, I've gone by there. I can't get real close. But what those people suffered, it, it's heartbreaking. It, it really is. And even in Naples, a lot of damage. And even where I am at Minnesota Key, 
I'm going to take pictures and send those pictures to you guys, all the debris on the side of the road that still has not been picked up after yep. a month. Yep. And it's just, I don't know. I, I, this concerns me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but I mean, it seems like, um, you know, it wouldn't make any sense. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems like that the structure that you're in right now, the house, uh, even right. though you're close to the water, I mean, it seems like it would be a lot safer than trying to get in your car. And if winds are blowing at 70 miles an hour and, and all the water on the roads and that kind of thing, that doesn't seem like that'd be a smart move at this point to me. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not well, down there. Well, you probably are. But I'm not, I just don't want to stay here because it's on an island. So you have the intercoastal and you have the ocean. And it's like if they combine, I don't know what we do. I really don't know what we do. So I think there is time to get out and, and you know, maybe head north or at least head east and be all right. Um, maybe I'm over overdoing it. I'm going to watch the Weather Channel and, and keep up on it. But... You know, I don't want to be called a pansy ass. Well, you've That's already been called happen. it, so you got you got to live with it. You got to yeah. own it, and, right. and you got to live with it. Right. Speaking of owning it, yeah, if the shoe case. fits, wear it. Uh, you know, we have a we have a quote. We had my dad on as we do every single Wednesday, and uh, he had this to say about you. Please listen in. I was watching. There's a there is a documentary about Nolan Ryan on Netflix which is a spectacular piece. And I say that in all seriousness. I always thought, you know, he was one of the great pictures of all time. But after watching this thing, you just scratch your head and, re and have a hard time coming to grips with how a guy uh, can hold or at one time held 51 major league pitching records. Um, they have a lot of quick shots, cuts in that, in that, in that uh, documentary of doing what Nolan did best, and that's striking people out. Lo and behold, what pops up? But Casey, but but Tracy Jones standing there, striking out and looking like a washerwoman in the process. He <laughs> wanted to get out of that batter's butt. He swung at a pitch that he could not have hit with an ironing board that was up and away, and then almost fell down, but couldn't wait to get back to that dugout. I had to rewind it to make sure it was him, and it was. So just if you get a chance to remember, just run that by him a bit when you all have him on on Thursday. Well, Tracer, uh, you know, your partner for 20-something years uh, lays that out there for, you know, tens of thousands to see right on this program. Any thoughts, reactions? You know, I've got to be honest with you. I could not hear Marty. For some reason, the audio was cut out. Can you paraphrase what Marty said? He basically what said he there say? is this documentary that is out right now. I don't know if it's on Netflix, oh, I, I think know. he said, about Nolan Ryan. Uh, and they were showing, you know, uh, many of the swings and misses for strike three uh, against Nolan Ryan at various points in time during his career. <clears throat> and one of them was you swinging at a pitch up and away that, to quote my dad, you could not have hit with an ironing board and that you basically could not sprint fast enough back to that dugout because you wanted nothing to do with Nolan Ryan. Paraphrase, Ham and Eggers it, paraphrasing, is that, yeah, is that yeah, uh, yeah. That's accurate? accurate? I would say that checks the box. Yep. Okay. Any, any reaction? Well, let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you three. Please something. do. I fouled, off, I fouled off about 
five pitches, six pitches. And finally, I know exactly the pitch that he got me on. He got me on a fastball that was up and away. I just missed it, by the way. And, you know, I struck out. No, no shame in striking out against Nolan Ryan. But I'll tell you, that was a pretty decent bat at bat. And for Marty to say I wanted no part of it, you know, no part of that being in that batter's box against Nolan Ryan, how dare him even even say something like that? I mean, it's very hurtful that Marty would come. And what's strange about this is, guys, when I went and played in Houston, that was my best city that I played in. I mean, I'd go four for four, drink all their beer, make love to all their women in Houston. That was really strange that I actually <laughs> struck out off uh, Nolan Ryan. Lifetime against Nolan Ryan, one for 10 with seven strikeouts. That's not very good. No, that's not very good. But, I mean, look, there are a lot of guys that uh, weren't very good against uh, Nolan Ryan. Did you say on that clip, which I saw, by the way, that you were that close? Just missed it. Just missed it. Okay. Um, before yeah. you came on, you just missed it. Um, you know, I think we're going to nickname, and we talked about this as the very outset of the show today, that mm -hmm. from now on we're going to introduce the show as Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers, with Tom Brenneman and the Ham and Eggers. So Casey oh, and Paul are over there today. And, you know, we're trying to figure out who's the ham, who's the egg. We'll, we'll get to that, your thoughts on that here in a second. But Casey, uh, in the middle of making a point, um, referred to me, specifically me, as an ex-professional. How could he do that? How could he say something like that? What does he mean by ex-professional? Casey? Well, and to give it some context. No, here, this needs no context. I was just trying to say that it doesn't matter if you're an ex-professional or if you're some big wig ESPN producer, whatever. It doesn't matter who you are. On social media and on our platform at Chatterbox, I think there's a lot of people in the world on social media that have great insight and that have opinions that are what the people are thinking, what the fans are thinking. And in the midst of trying to explain that, I was saying, like, I'm not really a professional in that term. Tom was in that seat at one point where he was – a professional jeez oh, i mean can you believe this backpedaling on this i mean come on oh, this I, is why i said know, there's says, no context here let, let me just say something you sound like a politician you know brevity <laughs> is the soul of wit get to your friggin' point will you please quit beating around the bush you're st you're stabbing my partner in the back that's that's so it, bad it wasn't so meant ungrateful. to be a, it wasn't meant to be well, a stab was. in the back I asked I, him if he was. if he might be vaguely familiar with the term ex-producer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I will be here very soon. <laughs> Casey, let me say something. You can be replaced. Okay? You can be replaced. Oh, duly noted. Duly noted.
What are your thoughts on referring them as the ham and eggers? Or, or is that stealing your thunder? No, that's all right. I mean, which one's the ham and which one's the egger? We got to decide about that. I mean, they both make, they don't make much money, right? Uh, Casey now lives in an apartment. I mean, what, I mean, what, do you guys live in Norwood? Where do you guys live? I forget. Well, I live in Mason. He just bought a new house, just moved in, Tracer. Just moved into that new oh. crib he bought up in Mason, your old stomping ground. A lot of swingers there, Casey. You better watch your wife. <laughs> Duly noted. Paul, where do you live? Uh, I'm down a little oh, south of I, I'm down a little south of Glendale, Springfield Township. That's uh, big money hood over there. That's big money hood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, compared to Terrace Park or Bellevue. I mean, do you notice the difference where we live, Tom, and where these guys live? I mean, it's really no, taking I, a step I don't. Back. I don't at all. And I, why do you? Or how do you? Well, I, I just think there's a lot different as far as people concerned. People, I mean, you hang out with people at Bellevue. I hang out with people in Terrace Park, Indian Hill. I mean, there's quite a difference in that and people in Mason. Or people in, where did you say, Paul? <laughs> East, East Price Hill. <laughs> Paul. Yeah. No, Glendale. Glendale. We're, we're, we're Glendale's, Glendale's big money fun. hood tracer. I mean, I know Glendale's that you've fun. only lived in in some of the you know short time you were up there in Mason. Uh, you've been in Bellevue for a long, long time. Glendale is where people like Bob Trumpy. The Castellinis for a long time lived in Glendale. Oh, I mean, that's big money hood over there now. It's a nice town. Well, it's not Bellevue. It's okay. not Bellevue. Well, it's, so it's a, kind of a step up from Norwood. Wouldn't you I, would, I would say so. Yeah, and Mason certainly is too. Now, Come here. Let uh, me bring this guy up for one second. Come here, buddy. Tell him how he was so afraid oh, last man. night, weren't you? Well, see, Hi, Tucker. Hi, Tucker. See, look at is Tucker yeah, calming down Tucker. now? Is he okay now? Is he better? He has. He has. He's, see, look at that. Now he'll lick his nudicles. <laughs> okay, Tuck. See you later. See you guys. See you later. Say bye. Bye, guys. Bye, Tucker. Bye, Tucker. Bye, damn it. You love dogs, Tom. I, oh, boy, Tom. I love dogs. You know, I tell a story all the time, Trace. Um, uh, you know... My wife and I, when we went on our honeymoon to the island of Bora Bora, right? So we're over there, mm -hmm. and uh, it just so happened that this guy who lived down the street from us in Scottsdale, Arizona, um, owned the nicest restaurant on the island of Bora Bora, a place called Bloody Mary's. Nice. And so he says to me, he says, hey, look, I got a house over there, doors wide open. I got a Jeep sitting in the driveway. Keys are in it. If you want to drive around the island and just take the Jeep, go on over there, go ahead and do it. So we took him up on the Jeep. So very long story short. It's actually a great story, but I'm not going to spend all our time on this. The long and short of it is we found a dog living in a garbage dump uh, over there oh, on the island of Bora Bora, and we brought that dog home, named it Bora, and that dog was with us for 14 years. I what kind of dog. dog was he? It was, you know, I mean, it was what a kind mutt. of dog. You know, a mutt. You know, she was living in the middle of this this garbage dump with her puppies, and like I said, it's a very long story. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, we found some people that 
that, that, we, that, that put the dog on a plane because we couldn't take it back with us. There was a, a quarantine kind of thing. All the, all the dogs over there and cats are dying of heartworm disease, but they don't right. have any, uh, they don't have any um, um, rabies there. So you had to go through this whole quarantine thing. The people were nice enough to take care of the dog and her puppies. They put the dog on a plane. My wife and I drove to Los Angeles and we picked the dog up and had the dog for 14 years. You know, I love dogs. I'm not a cat lover. I don't, I think cats are sneaky, you know, and a cat person, uh, you know, your dad's a cat person, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, they're just a little different. I, I think we'd all agree. Well, I think you'd no. warm up to a cat if you had one. I, I think you would. I've had well, you got something before. to say, Paul, Casey, are you a cat person? Casey's, Casey's a cat person, Tracy. Oh, hang on, hang on. Uh, I'm, figures. I'm not <laughs> just a cat person. I'm a dog person, too. I like dogs and cats. Why, you why can't, can't yeah, you got to, no. You, you can you, be no. both. That's ridiculous. Of course you can. I love all you just animals. be an animal guy. Yeah, I'm an animal guy. Okay, Casey, let me ask you a question about your cat. Yeah. Do you have an indoor litter box for the cat? Yes. See, who wants to clean a litter box? You're allowed to let the cat roam. They're outside animals. Just open the door and the cat can go outside. Why do you feel like you have to have that litter box? Well, I mean, that's just what the cat's comfortable with. That's what it grew up with. That's how I was raised. So I just didn't want to break the, the habit. I'll tell you what Marty does, and a lot of people don't know this, but I actually saw him do it the other day when I was over at the house. He actually walks his cat. He has him on a leash and will walk the cat around the neighborhood. I mean, that's different, but there's nothing wrong with that. He doesn't want to let that cat. What's that cat's name, Tom? Do you know? Little Baby or something like yeah, that? Yeah, baby? yeah, something uh, Big Baby or Little Baby or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Tom, no, no, I don't get invited over. I don't get invited over there very often. So, you know, um, has, has anybody heard any more about Marty getting back into broadcasting? And I think you guys, I misled you. I didn't say it had to be a baseball team. I mean, there's a lot of broadcasting that he can do. He, you know, I know they found someone for Jeopardy, but I think Pat Sajak is leaving Wheel of Fortune. What about something there? I'm just saying he he's. He's too young to retire. You know, Tracy, there were people, and, and I've not been on uh, social media my entire life until this show started up, so I'm, I'm trying to learn the ins and outs of the whole thing. There were actually people that were quite upset, a couple. And I wanted to respond to them, but, but when you read something on a text or on a, on a, tw on a tweet or whatever it is, you don't, know they're in, you don't know if they're serious about it, whether they're joking around, whatever it might be. So you alluded to my dad possibly coming back um, uh, in circles you run in, you had heard the rumor uh, of being the play-by-play -play voice of the Cincinnati Cyclones. And, and, and the actual right. voice of the Cyclones chimed in. Paul, you want to help me here? Yeah. And now, now I, I, I'm pretty sure he was kidding around. He seemed like he was joking yeah. around. But I don't know if there were a couple of other fans out there that were that were that weren't happy about that. Yeah, there were some people, Tracy, that you really stirred up with that Cyclones comment. What did they say? Oh, they were. It, I'll tell you what. We put that Cyclones clip out on social media, and it it really fired some people up. 
I mean, can you believe, Tracy, there are people out there, in all seriousness in the world, I'm not kidding about this, and it, like I said, I almost responded, and I'm like, you know what, leave it alone. Uh, not from their play-by-play voice. What's, what's that young man's name? I'm not a hockey fan, so I don't listen very often. To the, to the Cyclones? Yeah. Oh, I'll go back and okay, find Okay, but anyway, I, I could tell that, that he was kind of, you know, having fun with it. But some of the other fans, I thought to myself, man, I, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but... I mean, are we living in the kind of world where there is anybody out there in their right mind with all the tongue-in-cheek stuff we do around here? Is there anybody in their right mind that would take that so seriously? I mean, are you kidding me? People have no sense of humor, and and you just got to shake yourself. Do you think Marty jumped up at the dinner table and said, this one belongs to the Cyclones. You think you really did that? <laughs> I mean, no, I don't. Just, you know, you got to get on Twitter. You want to get on, you want to stir some things up. You being on Twitter would be a big deal. Well, Brandon runs all our, our Twitter, and, and these guys are handling all of that. And so, you know, that, 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 that's good. We'll put the clips on the show. You're on that all the time. You get huge, huge numbers. When we put your stuff. Wait a minute. Let, let's go back. No, let, let's go back. So, what did they exactly say? Oh, uh, here. Oh, uh, here's Paul. He'll pull it up. I, go I, ahead. I'll read you three oh. tweets. One, here, okay. here are the responses. One of them said, "I'm 100% confident and certain that the Cyclones are in good hands with the man they have behind the mic." And another one said, "Straight up disrespectful to baselessly talk about the Cyclones changing play-by-play voices when uh, Andrew, the guy that they have now, does a fantastic job." Now, Andrew responded and took it in stride. Yes. Andrew's a good guy. Okay. Guys, we're, we're losing some power here. So if we cut out, we'd have, uh, we didn't have lights on last night. So just to give you a heads up. Well, that must okay, have been so kind of romantic. That. that must have been kind of romantic. I mean, the sound of the ocean, the ocean roar, and, uh, and maybe a little rain and the lights out. Maybe you light a couple of candles around there, you and Danae. That sounds like it could be uh, kind of nice. 13 years, pulling no wool. <laughs> Shut out. Shut out. <laughs> Tell people to relax. You guys need to respond to those, those messages. You don't want me to get on that message board. I'll, I'll stir things up. Well, Tracer, before we let you go, um, we have to, have to ask you, are you a college football fan? You know, we talked about this last time. I know, but I'm asking you if you're paying attention because are you paying attention to who might be in the college football playoff? I just know I'd like to really see a Pac-10 Team, or is it a Pac-12 team now? Pac-12, yeah. How many teams, and I saw a thing Pac-12? last night. You know, I saw a thing last night, and, and I love the way they do this thing. ESPN has this this uh, this thing where you can you can punch in different scenarios. You click this thing happening, you click that thing happening, and then it tells you what if, right? So I saw last yeah. night that if if Oregon were to win out. Um, that their chances of making the college football playoff were at 70%. So that's a that's very ridiculous. high likelihood. I think that uh, I think USC's might even be higher than that because of the teams they have on their schedule of having to play UCLA and then playing Notre Dame. So, you know, you might, 
have your wish. But, I mean, you've been in the heartland so long now. Are you telling me that you would root for a team from the Pac-12 to which you have zero allegiance? None. You would root for a Pac-12 team to beat, let's say, Ohio State? I think we just lost Oh, there it is. See, just when you start to ask the guy the tough questions. There it is. Questions he doesn't want to answer. That's what happens. No, but he had told me ahead of time there was a chance that that he might lose power. It's been off and on. You heard him say uh, the power was out last night. Man, that's scary stuff. Yeah. You know, and and around here, we don't have him very often, but, and God forbid, you know, when you do hear about him, because the devastation is just incredible. Uh, You know, Mother Nature, when when tornadoes have come through here in the past, um, obviously we don't have to deal with, you know, hurricanes and earthquakes. But um, I was at the earthquake in San Francisco uh, during the World Series. I was about 30 yards outside of walking into Candlestick Park. I'd gotten Johnny Bench's wife over to the game, having a couple beers out in the parking lot with my boys, and uh, come walking in the, you know, and we get 30, not even 30 yards. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking at a bus, and they had a bus that pulled up and dropped people off right next to the, um, literally right next to the gate at Old Candlestick Park. And I remember all of a sudden, it was like everything went in slow motion. I could see this bus literally like a basketball, bouncing up and down, and I could see the look of people's faces inside of that bus. And then my my eyes go up, and I see the light towers outside of of Candlestick Park doing one of these. And, you know, and then it stops. I mean, it happens that fast. It stops. There was nothing falling down around us, and, and you're like, oh, okay, you get in the stadium, and and then you find out while we're in the stadium about the Bay Bridge collapses. Uh, hundreds of people are dying. Uh, buildings are blowing up in downtown San Francisco. Um, it was brutal. Uh, and, to, and to see the devastation. And then I have friends that, that, that spend a lot of time in Florida. Houses down there. You heard Tracy talk about it. Uh, the devastation with some of these people and what happens in their lives. Uh, you know, you can't help but hurt for them. That's crazy. I didn't know that story that you were there, Tom. Yes, I was. I I was there basically as Johnny Bench's caddy. I was doing the the Reds games in those days with Johnny Bench in 1989. Uh, And he had said to me, like midway through the 89 season, he had said to me, hey, you know, you got any vacation time coming up? And I'm single. I'm like, yeah, I got all kinds of time coming up, working at Channel 5 and and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he says, well, look, I got a proposition for you. He says, I'm announcing the World Series for CBS Radio. And he says, I would, uh, I'll pay for your, uh, your plane. I'll pay for your hotel accommodations. And I'll get you two tickets to every single game. No matter who plays and where they play. Well, it turns out both teams were right there in the Bay Area. A's against the Giants. He said, but your only job, your only job is to get my wife from the hotel to the ballpark, like two hours before the game. I mean, are you kidding? You know, no matter where these cities are, it's like, you know, I'm getting to go hang out and have a great time and go to World Series games. Uh, All paid for. So I agree to do it. So the first two games were over there in in Oakland. and, uh, And I had some friends from college that were living out there. 
And so when the games come back to San Francisco, my buddies had season tickets to the Giants. So I get Johnny's wife to the ballpark, and I've got like three hours to kill. So I meet these guys, and we're out in the parking lot, tailgating. Beautiful afternoon in San Francisco, sunny, 70 in October. Beautiful. And here we are walking up to the ballpark. I tell you what happens. We get inside. This is after the earthquake. And all the players are on the field. Chant, fans are chanting now that this is what's going to change the, the direction of this series. The A's had won the first two games. And you're thinking they're going to play. Right? You're thinking they're going to because there's nothing around you that you see that would make you think you wouldn't play a baseball game. So we go out to get a beer in line, and all of the cast registers are running on electricity. And we're waiting and waiting and waiting, and we find out that there's no electricity. So we're just standing there, and, and all of a sudden, this fellow standing in front of us has on an old radio headset, got him on his ears, and we're standing right behind him, and we hear him say, oh, my God. He takes a headset off. And he starts to turn and walk away. And we're like, well, what's wrong? You okay? He says, I just heard on the radio the Bay Bridge collapsed. So you know now that this is really bad. Well, my job was now to get all of my buddies back to their places in downtown San Francisco. I'm staying up across the Golden Gate. The power is out in the city. I'm driving around in a city I know nothing about. There's no phones. There's no Google Maps. There's none of that kind of thing back in 89. None of that stuff. So I'm having to drop a friend off, navigate through. There's looting going on everywhere. You can see fires off in the distance. I eventually, thank God, get on the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. I look back to my right as I'm going north across the Golden Gate Bridge. And normally you would see this beautiful, well-lit skyline at night of downtown San Francisco. And I look over my shoulder. It is pitch black. I get to the hotel about four miles, three or four exits up on the top of Mount Tamalpais. And... Walk in the door. It's this big lodge-like hotel. Only had about 20 rooms in it. But a beautiful open lodge. People would come from all over just to have lunch and dinner there, have a beer there, whatever it might be. Every light in the joint's on. There are about 100 people in there drinking beer and watching the news. And you're thinking, this is the twilight zone. I just went five minutes before through looting and fires and disaster in downtown San Francisco. And five miles away, seven miles away, there's a party going on. It was the damnest thing I've ever seen. It's crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. And then Channel 5, in all their infinite wisdom, said to me, hey, look, since you can't fly out of there, how about you go down there in the marina and start doing news shots for us? I said, do, do you people read the newspaper? I said, their house is blowing up and you don't even know what's going to happen. Their house is exploding from gas leaks. And you want me to go down there and do news reports? They're telling people to stay out of there. 
Must have been the same people to run that joint and running you, running you all over the place. All right, do we have a cherry on top? I didn't mean to bore you guys with that story. No, it was a great story. Uh, we do have a cherry on top. And this, is, uh, this was Twitter yesterday. I, don't, I, I can't imagine that this is going to stay up for very long. But we all know Elon Musk bought Twitter, and his plan to help fund Twitter is to get people to subscribe to Twitter Blue, Twitter Blue $8 a month. And part of that subscription gets you a verified blue check mark. Well, a lot of people made use of that yesterday on the launch, and they started tweeting out things under verified accounts uh, that were very much not true. So this is an Adam Schefter that is a verified fake Adam Schefter account, but it's got the blue check mark. And this was all over Twitter yesterday. Well, how do you have a verified Adam Schefter check mark if it's not him? Well, because they paid for it. So they oh, ver I see. So okay. this guy verified that okay. he was who he was and okay. then just changed his name or did whatever he wanted to do. And this was all this was just one example. But this was all over yesterday, Tom. It's a disaster. Yeah, there was a Steelers account that said Kenny Pickett died. There You're was a kidding. There it was a disaster I mean, yesterday. There's somebody Pe who out there who wrote that a young man died. I will, the internet's a crazy place it, it's a dark place man it, it, it's a dark so they place. twitter's got to figure this out or else that's going to be a disaster and it already was a disaster and they started to reel it back in when they realized it i don't know how you didn't realize this i thought of this a week ago when i heard of it well answer me this real quick because i i am curious about this when we're running over time um how is it that any of those social media sites yeah how is it that they do verify you are who you are i mean for real who oh, you are how are, do they do that take this this twitter part out of it because i think instagram's the same way right yeah so okay so, so how do you verify so that it's really you if it's on twitter what you have to do is you have to be a part of an organization you have to show like for us if we wanted to verify you we would show three different news articles that you've been mentioned in we would show a website like the Chatterbox Sports website that shows that you're, you are who you say you are as you work for what we're applying you under. So you are a broadcaster, you've been mentioned in this and this and this, and your Twitter account that you say is you appears under this and this site. So they go through like six or seven steps, but now that it's- I know, but they're not getting ID from you or anything like that, right? You, you don't- Ah, uh, you used to have to scan your driver's license. Instagram has to do your driver's license. You used to have to do that on Twitter, I believe, but I, you don't have to do that anymore. Okay. And you clearly don't have to do it now. Okay. So they got to figure that out because that's, right. that's dangerous. Yeah, they got to get it figured out. I wonder if they have a way that you can verify under the category of ex-professional. Okay, do you have any thoughts on that before we leave? Um, you know, uh, professional. <clears throat> just no, own it. No, just own no, it. I, I, I own, own it. it. It was a slip of the tongue. Just I don't think it. it was. Own it. Own it. Own it. I mean, if anybody could have said slip of the tongue, you're looking at him. You got to own it. We all hope we're on the Lord's wake-up call tomorrow to come back to this program. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day. Tomorrow, big day. We always do our picks. Uh, and we've got everybody at it the rest of the way now. No more bye weeks in college football. The Bengals, of course, 
There are still bye weeks in the National Football League. They're on one of those. Uh, are Reed and Trace coming up today or no? Not too picky is on right after this. Oh, well, then you better get over here. We'll, we'll be up there. Reed's waiting, and we're going to go to a break, and we're going to come back. With are you guys game. giving tired picks? Who, who's been on a roll lately Betting before fit. you go? Anybody been, on a roll? I've been pretty hot. Six and six and two, seven and two last weekend in college in the NFL, four and one the weekend before college. So Because Reed was hot early in the year. Reed but he w- said the other day that he's gone south. Is that true, hey, Reed? Cool down. Before we get down. out of here, is that true? You've gone south? I'm worried about my next mortgage right now. I mean, it's not good. If the wife saw the bank statements, it'd be, it'd be real bad. It'd be real bad. That's not good. If I come in with broken kneecaps, just you know what happened. You know well, what happened? that's the, yeah. now you're crossing into a whole different <laughs> world. All right. Well, for uh, Casey, for Paul, for Brandon, and from yours truly, the ex-professional, Tom Brenneman. We'll look forward to seeing you again by the grace of God above tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.